0: Well, I think the uh, big story uh, of the day, uh, we didn't even have on our newscast at 2 o'clock. Uh, any hopes of a Pink Floyd reunion are definitely off uh, with this online Twitter feud between David Gilmour and Roger Waters. Uh, it's uh, it's it, it, it's like nasty, total nastiness. And, you know, you wonder when these guys feud so publicly, how did they ever pull it together to release such amazing albums? Like, uh, well, Dark Side of the Moon, one of the greatest recordings ever made how in the world did they put it together how uh, w- with that much tension or maybe tension is the key maybe maybe uh <laughs> maybe they had makeup sex i have no idea but it was uh yeah it's very interesting david uh, gilmore and uh... roger waters going at it well at least uh, gilmore and his wife are going at roger waters on uh, twitter Anyway, the worst thing they said about him, I think, was the fact that he's a lip-syncer. I mean, that if you go to a concert, you want to hear somebody playing live. I mean, we expect him to be anti-Semitic. I mean, that that's just Roger Waters. I mean, just that that's to be expected. We're used to that. But the lip-syncing thing, I don't know. I don't know. But anyway, hey, welcome to the show. It's good to have you with us. Bowerly on uh, the radio. Um, no, not that the history of anti-Semitism makes it better, but... When Roger Waters makes an anti-Semitic remark, it's not exactly shocking anymore, but uh, the fact that he's lip-syncing, that's relatively new, at least uh, to my knowledge. So uh, he is who he is, but uh, he's a rock and roll icon, and we all know what that means once you're called an icon. So uh, for good or for ill... Um, there's a limited uh, shelf life, unfortunately, for all those guys, Gilmore, Waters, uh, Nick Mason, you name it. Uh, Anyway, welcome to the show. Didn't mean to get get off on a tangent with you um, here to start off the program. So here's the deal. Uh, Coming up 4.30 until 5.30, the governor's push to do away with natural gas as an option for many people uh, we're going to talk about that with uh, state Senate Minority leader Rob ort um, the senator was on with us uh, a short time ago and I told him at the time I wanted to get him on for a longer appearance on the program so that's what we have scheduled 3:30 to I'm sorry 430 to uh, 530. Four thirty to five thirty with Rob Ort, State Senate Minority Leader, and most of that is going to be uh, taking your telephone calls because uh, you have questions for him that, frankly, I can't answer, but uh, maybe he can. Then again, maybe he can't because so little information is known about it. Anyway, sorry, like to throw in some Canadian every now and again, my loves, uh, just to just 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 because I can. So anyway, um, this is a show that I have to take a risk on. Uh, because, well, I I just do. Everybody is having after-action reviews on the blizzard of 22. And there are some things that I think we need to avoid. And I want your take on what could be done better, what should be done better, the next time a blizzard hits. Now, keep something in mind. This was a ferocious snowstorm. It was generational. Now, since a generation means 20 years, roughly, um, it was actually a multi-generational storm. My opinion, it was the worst blizzard we had since the blizzard of 77. And I still, even to this day, cannot figure out how in 2022, we lost more people than we did in that blizzard than we did during the blizzard of 77. That is still a a scratcher to me the only thing I can think of is at least in 1977 we had some single digit high temperatures a week and a half before the blizzard hit so people might have had their heavier winter coats on Um, and the other thing is blizzard of 77 we didn't wake up to a 40 degree day which I think might have thrown a lot of people off and the other thing uh, number three is back in 1977 Basically, we didn't have the choices that we have now in terms of uh, media. And most people watched the local news at noon, 6, and 11. And most people watched Channel 2, Channel 4, Channel 7. And uh, people understood roughly what was going to be happening weather-wise. A lot of people listened to AM radio, or I'll tell you what, just local radio in general. But now, with all of the media choices that people have... It's entirely possible that people are totally tuned out to what exactly is in the forecast. I mean, if you're driving around listening to a podcast on Jack the Ripper and you're not really tuned into local radio, You wake up on Friday morning, the 23rd of December, you wouldn't have had a clue that some really bad weather was coming. Although the high winds which hit the area early in the morning on Friday might have been a giveaway that you might want to uh, at least check the weather app on your cell phone. But anyway, uh, the after-action reviews. I want to know what you guys think should be done differently and what should not be done. Uh, Let me tell you what should not be done, my personal opinion. Erie County and the city of Buffalo do not need more emergency planning coordinators. You know what's going to happen with that? It's going to be somebody's 'er ne'er-do-well third cousin in search of a job with no training or skills whatsoever at the position. It's just going to be a political hack appointee position. That's what it's going to turn into. Maybe not at first, but eventually that's exactly what it will involve. And, of course, the hack is going to need a staff to work under the hack. And the staff will also be in some way connected to the political system. You know how things go around here. And the reason I say we don't need an additional emergency coordinator or anything of the sort is because, last I checked, the city of Buffalo has a mayor. The chief executive of the city of Buffalo right now it is Byron Brown. Erie County has a county executive right now. His name is Mark Polenkar. Well, add a Z to the end of that. Mark Polenkar's, and it is my belief that Mayor Brown and Mark Polenkar's already have the power to do what has to be done. The next time Andy Parker comes on this radio show four days ahead of the blizzard and says, you need to get ready, this is the real deal, this is going to be terrible. And the day before, when the National Weather Service says, expect difficult to impossible travel conditions. Do you really believe that we need a new emergency services coordinator or blizzard czar, whatever you want to call it, for either Erie or... Uh, county or the city of Buffalo, I say absolutely not. That is, we, we you know what, the taxpayers are already paying for that position. It's called the county executive and it's called the mayor of the city of Buffalo. Just like it's the supervisor of Chictawaga, the supervisor of Amherst. Okay, all of those places have uh, in place chief Executives, and they're the people who are supposed to make the decisions when bad things happen. Do you really want to spend the money every year on a new position? That think about it. What, what's the emergency services coordinator going to do in June or August or September? For what, what is the what is the emerg what is a new emergency position going to do? The 363 days of the year where there's absolutely nothing going on that is anything like a blizzard or a tornado or even an earthquake. Absolutely nothing, not a thing they are going to do. My opinion don't spend any more taxpayer dollars on any other coordinators or chief executives in charge of disaster preparedness whatever title you want to give it we don't need them we already have them called the city mayor the county super the county uh, executive and the supervisor of the towns and the mayors of the villages uh, and cities throughout western New York are you with me on that or do you agree with With the logic on that, I would like to know. 803-0930 is the phone number, star 930 on the cell phone, 1-800-616-WBEN. 803-0930, star 930. 1-800-616-WBEN. Do we really need new positions being created to deal with blizzards in western New York when we already have chief executives in every municipality there is? I say absolutely not. Uh, There's something else, too, that I think needs to be brought up, and that is the idea that the city and the county should go out and buy a whole bunch of snowmobiles. Buy a whole bunch of snowmobiles. Well, let's think about this for a minute. Technology is always changing. Now, I've never been on a snowmobile. Truth be told, I've never been on one. Um, and it's one of the horrible parts of being me. Is when I've never seen a ghost, I've never seen a UFO, and I've never been on a snowmobile. But I've seen snowmobiles, so I'm kind of in the loop on that one. But, you know, technology with snowmobiles is advancing every single year. If you have a brand-new snowmobile, I bet it's got a lot more bells and whistles on it than the snowmobile you had 20 years ago or 30 years ago. Um, My point is, in that technology is always evolving, and in that the next big blizzard may not be for 20 or 30 years, why in the hell would you go out and spend hundreds of thousands or millions of dollars on snowmobiles that might never get used? They might never get used. Let me give you an alternative to the city or the county going out and buying snowmobiles. We already have a community of snowmobile people in western New York. There are snowmobile clubs, and the people in the snowmobile clubs are very adventurous spirits. They're very giving and volunteering spirits, and you know what else? They tend to have the latest and the best snowmobile gear. You don't want to be the person in your snowmobile club that everybody laughs at because you're driving the 63 and they've got the 23, right? So the answer with the snowmobile issue is, yes, press snowmobiles into service, but as police chiefs, mayors, supervisors, county executives uh, uh, need to do, You need to forge relationships with snowmobile clubs, and you need to continue those relationships. You need to periodically review who is the president of what snowmobile club. Where are the resources located? In the event of a blizzard, um, which members can we uh, call upon? What are their cell phone numbers? What are their landline numbers so that we can press them into service? Obviously, you have to work out some legal details like, okay, who covers the liability? if uh, you get into an accident when you have volunteered to help your fellow man, But as long as there are lawyers, these things can be worked out pretty easily. But I think the city and the county and any local town would be making a big mistake by going out and buying a bunch of 2023, 2024 snowmobiles that might not be even needed for the next 20, 25, 30 years. Okay? Why? And... The precedent for that was set back in 1977. I was alive during the blizzard of 1977. I remember it well. And I remember this radio station and the other major AM radio stations in town saying, such and such hospital is putting out the call for volunteers on snowmobiles to transport doctors and nurses to the hospital. You go back and you listen to any archives that exist from the Blizzard of 77 uh, radio coverage, and you'll find that announcement was made repeatedly. Uh, If you live in a certain part of town, you live in uh, Kenmore, Tonawanda, Kenmore Mercy needs people with snowmobiles to transport doctors and nurses to and from hospitals. Okay, That was a call that was put out, and volunteers responded. And I think we should have done the same thing this year. Um, I talked to some people during the blizzard, and I thought at the time they were making a mistake by not putting the call out to snowmobiles, uh, people with snowmobiles, in given areas to help out. Okay, I think that was a mistake that was made that, frankly, um, should not have been made. The local police, the local supervisors, they should have impressed, or should I said, ask for volunteers for snowmobile duty. Now, the other thing, uh, there's a lot of talk about these snowcat vehicles. Well, I have a mixed uh, opinion about the snowcat vehicles, number one, or the uh, ultimate terrain vehicles. Um, here, here's the deal. I think they'd be great to have, but if you're going to spend that much money, and, and th- believe me, they are, like, you're talking at least 100000 bucks, in some cases half a million dollars, maybe even more. You're going to spend that kind of money. You've got to understand that you might never use it. It's going to be like the military. And you think about all the weapons the military has developed that it's never, thank God, had to use. Billions of dollars in projects that never got used. And it might very well be the same way with the Snowcats. They might sink a few million dollars into Snowcats and put them throughout the county. But in 25 years, are they still going to be viable vehicles? They're going to be classic cars. They're going to be classic vehicles. So I'm not opposed to it, but I also want people to be aware that however good they are, they might not be used ever, or at least not in our lifetimes. 803-0930 is the phone number, star 930 on the cell phone, 1-800-616-WBEN. This is uh, Dave in uh, Lancaster. You are on Hello.
1: Yeah, Tom, you forget. I mean, a lot of people have short-term memories, but um, we should have had all this solved. If you remember the big storm of 2014 where we got seven feet of snow in a day or two, and our beloved ex-governor created a New York State Weather Bureau to stop all of the deaths and tragedies that happened. I was wondering whatever happened to that and all the money that went for that and why that wasn't pulled up with the storm.
0: The New York State Weather Bureau. I'm not even sure if that is still in existence, sir. But you know what? Here's the thing. There, there's no need for a New York State Weather Bureau if we still, in fact, have one. I'm trying to look it up. Uh, I wish I wish you would have looked it up before you called because I hate trying to text and uh, talk at the same time. So you did not do your proper preparation as a talk show caller. Um, I don't see any listing here for a New York State Weather Bureau, but we already have the National Weather Service. We already have independent meteorologists like Andy Parker. Monday or Tuesday before the storm, Andy Parker was on this radio show saying, this is going to be horrible, this is the real deal, this is, not, um, this is not somebody crying wolf, it's going to be bad. We had Andy Parker on this program every single day before the blizzard from 2 p.m. to 3 p.m. to the point where people said, how come you're hyping the storm? You say you're not hyping the storm, but you're hyping the storm. And as it turns out, 50 people died.
1: That's true. But I, I don't see we don't we really don't need a a blizzard czar or anything like that. I mean, we could get the lessons learned from this storm, and um, I think an emergency broadcast, like I don't know if they're mentioned if that was going into effect, uh, you know, to alert people on their cell phones. I think that would be a, a halfway decent idea, you know, at least you got it out there,
0: so. Yeah, you know what, I I agree with, I think that was a proposal from the county executive, uh, doing that kind of an alert like they do with the uh, Amber Alerts uh, for the kids who might be kidnapped and at risk, that's a good idea. And by the way, um, Dave, to the best of my knowledge and recollection and belief, not once were we asked to activate the emergency broadcast system for the Blizzard, and we could have been. There have, yeah. been, like, there have been conditions, uh, for example, prior to major events that could lead to tornadoes. I remember seeing over the old ticker, t- uh, ticker tape uh, machines, the uh, National Weather Service requests EAS activation. And we did that. I remember I did it myself uh, back in the 90s at uh, the other radio station. We activated the emergency broadcast system. That's what it was in place for. Why we were not asked to activate it for this storm, I do not know.
1: Yeah. And I mean, the, the driving ban is good, but if you're going to make up a, a rule or, or something and not enforce it, it, does, it what good does it do? You know, I mean, if you're not actually stopping people or setting up roadblocks or something like the uh, gates on the throughway. You know, oh, those were those
0: were lowered when I was driving into work here early on Friday morning those were being lowered uh, all across town I saw the one being lowered at Millersport they didn't want they didn't want vehicles on there you know I think one of the other lessons Dave that we learn is if we know that the blizzard is going to hit and it's going to be bad um, what you do is you shut everything down at 6 a.m not at 9 a.m not at noon you shut it down at 6 am and you keep people home, and you ask the CEOs of Topps and Wegmans not to open. The ne- no, you, you tell them not to open the next day. It's only then people take it seriously. When when they can't get the Topps or Wegmans to get their chocolate milk, that's when people take it seriously.
1: Yep, that's 100% true.
0: All right, so I, I cannot find any uh, reference to a New York State Weather Bureau. So whether it actually... Um, was ever developed or whether it was developed and then silently done away with, I don't know. But to me, that's a redundancy we don't need. We had Andy Parker telling us the week before the blizzard what was going to happen. Bob Hamilton, off duty from the National Weather Service, called this show and he said, you know, Andy did a good job, but I think the winds are going to be even stronger than what Andy is saying. And Bob Hamilton was right. And that's not a dig at Andy Parker. I think Andy is magnificent. Uh, I thank you, Dave. I appreciate the call. Thank you. Have a great day. Uh, I'm already having a great day. You started it off, sir. So what, what do we do? Uh, how do we plan for the next blizzard? Um, Some of the ideas that have been floated, I'm absolutely against. We don't need any new government positions. I've explained before, we already have chief executives in every municipality. We don't, that's their job. We don't need anybody else to do that job. We already pay somebody to do that job. That would be like this radio station hiring a general manager for the general manager. Why? You've already got a general manager. You don't see that kind of redundancy in corporate America. It would be foolish. Couldn't justify the expense to shareholders. 803 0930 star 930 1 800 616 WBEN. Do you like my ideas? Do you hate my ideas? And maybe you've got better ones. I'd like to hear them on News Radio 930 WBEN. All right, welcome. It is uh, Bowerly News Radio 930 WBEN. So, a lot of conversation about after action reviews from the Blizzard of 22. And I want to know what you think uh, ought to be done. I've gone over some of what I think are bad ideas and some ways to uh, correct things. 803 0930 star 930 1 616 WBEN. Here is uh, Neil in Forestville. You are on. Hello. Good
2: afternoon, Tom. Sir. I I believe there's like six or eight ski resorts like that surround the entire Buffalo area within about an hour drive. Each of those re- resorts have the Piston Bullies on hand. I know Holiday Valley has like eight of them. If you go on your website, they pretty much brag about how those guys drive in all kinds of uh, sub-zero weather. They have ski patrol. They're, they're all uniformed. They're all prepared. They're all trained to... Uh, rescue people in any types of situations, whether they're in ravines or uh, sub-zero breakage, you know what I mean? They could have uh, called these ski resorts, and, or they should call them now and make some type of plan so that if this ever happens again, like that Friday night when they knew they were going to be out of power and they weren't going to be able to get that power up for two days because of the high winds consistent, they should have made a call to, to get those, those people in there to help somehow.
0: Um, as far as the uh, as far as the ski patrol, I mean um, uh, the the resorts are mostly downhill. Cross country skiing is a little bit better or a little bit different, I should say. And the snow that we had during the blizzard was almost like quicksand. Uh, Tom,
2: actually, I, I'm a ski instructor, and those uh, patrolmen, a lot of them don't just wear downhill skis. They wear uh, telemark skis, which is a it's a uh, it's a ski that's able to go uphill, downhill, sideways, cross country. It's uh, I don't know if you know what it is, but the, the the back of the boot comes up and you can you can like walk straight up verticals with a sock on the front of your ski. I mean these guys are amazing. Like I've been helped myself. They've helped some of my kids and and uh, I had a kid go over a ravine. You know what I mean? Like they're they're trained and and that's I can't believe that somebody didn't think of that.
0: Uh, well, that's why we're doing our action, uh, after action review right now. Uh, Talk to the local ski resorts about personnel they have with equipment that would be useful in getting people out of cars. Yep. I I would also, uh,
2: where were the police? You know, he could have deputized anybody on a snowmobile. I mean, I I, I would bet that some of these ski patrol officers, uh, ski patrol people live in the city of Buffalo.
0: Well, city of Buffalo, Chautauqua, Amherst, Clarence—these uh, areas got hit particularly hard. Um, I, I have to imagine. Are, do you guys take your equipment home, or is it stuck at the resorts?
2: I believe some of them leave it at the resort, but uh, you know, a lot of people have duplicate uniforms. Like you had, like I had to have a couple different pairs of ski pants because sometimes stuff gets wet the day before, and you got to go home and dry it out. But uh, or old uniforms. I, I just think that. Uh, that there's too many executives there and not enough action people. Like I said, uh, the person in charge of protecting people, wouldn't that be the the police chief or, uh, you know, like a a Yeah, but
0: but in a lot of the jurisdictions, the police themselves were getting stuck. Uh, It it doesn't matter if you've got a badge on you, um, you're still going to get stuck the same as anybody else. Look at the Buffalo Fire Department vehicles that got stuck. I mean, we actually had situations... And way too many situations where people were dying and no emergency services could even reach them. You know why? Because these people still had plows on. You know, in
2: front of every one of these uh, DOT, uh, they have a trophy out there with a V plow on it. Every single one of them around here. their, Their DOT departments have this big, huge, you know, blizzard of 77. We used this once and now nobody knows how to use it again. You need a V plow to get through snow banks like that. And that's what they were missing. You, you try to plow a, a, a snow bank with, with a large uh, encased plow and then a front plow, you're never going to be able to do it.
0: Um, okay, so I have no idea. How much does a V plow cost? And could they, if we had enough warning for a blizzard, uh, could the crews swap out plows on existing gear? You'd need a whole new vehicle.
2: It goes right on the front of the old plows, I would imagine. Uh, maybe the newer ones probably don't have these hookups, but they didn't have four-wheel drive on these things. They don't have chains on these things. The, whoever's in charge of the highway department, they sure did get sophisticated enough to get rid of personnel and get all this new equipment that is worthless in a snowstorm.
0: Well, especially a, a snowstorm like we had, which, again, um, it was the worst since 1977. You almost know, one half a century. All of these
2: people... All of these people were in the roadways. You know, when you go through a pass out west, there's a sign there that says if you don't have chains, you can, you're you not allowed through. So when they shut down the road and then people got off on all the secondaries off the thruway and they clogged up all those streets because they, they, their vehicles were not equipped to, to go through that. They should have shut down anything to people who didn't have chains or, or, or snow tires or a vehicle that could, you know, make it through there just like they do out west.
0: Well, and I was thinking something else they might have done is, uh, like I said, I think they should have closed down Erie County at 6 a.m. on Friday, and they should have put signs up. Well, we already have the signs, the electronic message boards on the throughway saying, Buffalo and Western New York are closed. Get a hotel room or sleep in your cab. Don't even come. Well, you know, they spent millions of dollars on all
2: these little highway signs that are all generated you know there's a generator with a big old light on it and they could have they could have positioned those everywhere in buffalo if they had to just in case the power went out they could have had uh, opened up shelters the school i mean that guy that opened up the school there what a genius i mean like forced into it like i love that story tom like it broke my heart to listen to it but you know, I love that. Thank you for bringing that
0: to us, by the way. Yeah, well, Jay Jay's a, he's a good guy. Um, Neil, I thank you very much for the call. I appreciate hearing from you, some good ideas, and we'll see what other people have to say. Thank you. Yes, sir. All right, what do you think about what Neil said? Uh, in addition to the snowmobile clubs, you reach out to the various ski resorts and you compile a list of all their ski patrol members and what equipment they have, and where do they live, and can we press them into service? Maybe you press them into service along with the people with the snowmobiles, because it's not like the people with snowmobiles just live along snowmobile trails. 803-0930, Star 930, 1-800-616-WBEN. Your suggestions on what the area needs to do differently. If well, when the next blizzard hits, and when the next blizzard hits could be this winter. You don't know. Here is uh, Phil in Buffalo. Phil, you're on WBen.
3: Hi, how you doing? Hey, um, I was uh, an official during the blizzard of '77, and we and we learned some good lessons. And one of the lessons was, afterward, we provided for uh, a list of snowmobilers, a list of four-wheel drive people who are willing to to volunteer. Secondly, as far as this situation with uh, the snowcats, if you took any of the three public utilities, six-wheel drive line trucks, which are unstoppable, and they have the trailers that could actually transport the snowcats to destinations, you have them lined up in the first place. Thirdly... You were right about it. You can't have a snowcat just sitting there for 20 years. And then it's – what you do is you get the military-grade Humvees, ambulances, and you have one at each precinct and one at each fire district station and maybe one at each hospital if the hospitals would agree to do that. So at least you'd have a pool of vehicles that could go out and get these people. And your suggestion for 6 or 9 o'clock in the morning – That's another good one. you got to get these people off the road before they come in because then all those people who are stuck get frustrated and then go on the road.
0: Well, you know what I think? I think the best idea that I've had is you you, you contact the CEOs of the major grocery stores and you say, please shut down at 6 o'clock in the morning. We cannot have people running to get their Friday groceries because that's when the stuff is going to hit.
3: That that is an excellent idea. Now, what happened to our police in in Buffalo in seventy seven too? It was hard to define who's essential worker and who isn't, and you you need a guideline for that. I mean, you know, the the people in banking say we need people. Well, that's bull. They could they could be down for a day or two, um, except for maybe security people. So you need to define who's who's the vital worker. But you should have a system when it gets as bad as this with this warning. Those vital workers call into a number, and the people at that number, you say to them, I need to get into work, I work in a hospital or whatever, and then that number provides some kind of transportation for them, so they don't go out in their own cars and and get stuck and maybe freeze to death.
0: See, I don't know how practical that is, because, Phil, during the blizzard of 22, the nine one one system was overwhelmed. It could not accommodate the volume of calls that were coming into it. I fear the same thing would happen with an essential worker number. Well,
3: maybe you need you need more than one number, but that's see, that's what happened to us in seventy seven. All, all the normal, you know, sit at home people were calling everybody else and say, "Look how bad it is outside." And it jammed the city's telephone number so bad that we in City Hall couldn't even call the Broadway barns where we had all our plows. We actually had to have snowmobiles and messaging, a la Pony Express, go back and forth to keep Mayor Mikowski in touch with his commissioner of streets. So, yes, you can create communication problems if you don't do it right. You're absolutely right about that, too.
0: Hey, where do you stand on carrier pigeons? Well, that, that, that is the last resort. I mean, it worked, it, it worked for the Lost Battalion. But I
3: talked to a number of current city employees that were out there, and those military Humvees were unstoppable. And one last one, regarding this vandalism, they could charge with petty larceny and they're right back out at the worst time. Uh, our We should wake up our woke legislature, and they should amend the law, which says when somebody of whatever authority, a mayor, a county executive, a governor, declares a state of emergency, it is no longer petty larceny. It's an automatic felony. We, we have to have some kind of deterrent to the people who just don't care about other people.
0: Yeah, that, that's a good idea, but uh, you know, with, with bail reform, is, is that going to even right. be enough?
3: I, yeah, I I don't think it's going to happen. But I, I think the military-grade Humvee idea, one in every precinct, one in every firehouse, uh, maybe one in every warming center, you know, without overdoing it, at least we'd have some mobility to help people.
0: Well, the okay, here's here's the question I have. Um, Military-grade Humvee, um, when one of the things that came up during the blizzard is the plows couldn't go out because they could not see. Even if they could maneuver, they could not see. So how does a Humvee make that any different?
3: You're just, you're just going to have to crawl on and, and try. We have to do something. We can't just leave these people. Well, and I agree with you. I mean, when the driving is that bad, now you're putting – the Humvee operator and maybe the ambulance attendant in danger, too. But we've got to do something. And here's the other thing. We warned people not to drive. We should vehemently warn pe- people,
0: do not leave your house. It is that dangerous. We needed to emphasize that. Um, I absolutely believe we did. And somebody, I forget who, said last week that people didn't realize how serious it was until Topps and Wegman said they were closing. Then people realized it was serious. I well, think, again, your point about Tops and Wegmans—that that's a good one. They they need to shut down and say,
3: "Look at if you didn't you didn't come in early and stock up, you're in trouble now."
0: Well, uh, you know what? Uh, this storm, this storm had at least four days notice. Four yeah, days yeah. notice. Now, it was yeah. toward the end of the month, so some people might not have had money. Uh, I have a hard time believing that the store manager couldn't make uh, some kind of a deal like they used to in the old days. All right, well, take what you need. Here's an IOU that's good enough for me. Yeah, yeah. That, uh, that might have helped. Well, I, I think it would have uh, very much. Uh, thank you very much, Phil. I appreciate the call. Um, good stuff there, I think, from, from Phil. Uh, but as far as going out, like I said, and buying all these new snowmobiles for something we might not need in 25 years, that's not a good expenditure of public money. Um, What you need to do, I think, is maintain, establish and maintain on a regular basis a list of people with snowmobiles who would be willing to be pressed into service, along with, as Neil said, the ski patrol guys from the various ski resorts who live in the city and the suburbs of western New York. You can't tell me that they couldn't have brought candles and matches to people, if nothing else, to uh, stay warm in their car, right? Uh, let's go to Ron in uh, Lackawanna. Ron, uh, what's your take on all this? You're on WBEN. Hello, Tim. I'm going to say, well, the governor said two things. Once in a lifetime, star she come out and said it's the new
3: norm. So, but the whole thing is, you talked about buying cars and this and having things here.
0: But how reliable would it be if they did that? If they're all going to be electric vehicles? Well, again, this is another th- this is another point that needs to be addressed. You know, how reliable it will be if you're going to be like the guy calling
3: in front of you said, oh, have people go pick up. How many rounds are you going to make with the cold weather and that the the
0: battery gets eaten alive? Well, uh, that is correct. Um, You know, certainly we've talked about that at great length on the program. And anybody who doubts that, go outside on a really cold day with your cell phone and see how quickly the battery gets sucked down. Absolutely. Absolutely. I just think that people be like the old ways in
3: the 70s if you had that candle. If you had a roll of toilet paper in a coffee can, but they don't make metal coffee cans or things like that, you could have had to lit the match, soaked it
0: in alcohol. It would have had you. You could have had heat in the car if you ran out of gas. Things like that. Well, it would have kept people alive. That's for sure. Whether people were on snowmobiles or cross country skis, uh, dressed properly, and that was the key. You had to be dressed properly. Um, to be outside. And even, you know, the thing that, that I'm trying to figure out, though, is the snow that fell was unlike any snow I've ever seen before in terms of trying to walk through it. No, yeah, you're correct. I mean, Absolutely. it was, I don't think it's an exaggeration to say it was like sucking quicksand.
4: Yes, yes, yes. But, you know, it's just, it's just that, the just like every government agency, they, they react after the action. Typical government,
0: that's all. Well, you know what? Exactly. Thank you very much. And there there were things, thank you, that, that should have and could have been done. It's easy to say it in retrospect. But when you've got every meteorologist saying this is going to be a generational storm, um, I think the government should have been more proactive. And to be honest with you, I think I should have been more proactive. Um, and I wasn't. And I... I All I can say is, did the best I could, but I wish I'd have done more prior to the storm hitting. But, again, (laughs) I don't run the city. I don't have any power. I don't have any authority, which probably is a good thing. Uh, Let's go to Scott in uh, Forestville on WBEN. Hello. Hi, Tom.
4: How are you today? Yes, sir. Well, the sun's shining anyways.
0: Uh, Is that what that is? The whole snowmobile thing. What's that? Is that what that is? That mean that bright thing in the sky? Yeah, I know, right? Huh.
4: I know, it's unbelievable. I'll be damned. Um, I've, been an, right? I've been an avid snowmobiler for oh, all my life. I'm 53, and that's just a bad idea because snowmobiles, when they sit, and if like you said, you know, if it's two, three, four years before you have something like this again or whatever, they're just going to sit there, and then when they're going to be needed in service, they're probably not going to run because you'll have dead batteries or Bad gas in them or whatever.
0: Well, that's why, Scott, that's why, just so we're not misunderstanding each other, that's why I am not in favor of the city or county going out and buying snowmobiles. I'm in favor of um, making the snowmobile clubs, giving them an opportunity to help because you, with your snowmobile, you are putting it through its paces as much as you can during the wintertime. So you know it's going to run.
4: Correct. And the other side of it is, is just the fact, a matter of you, if you have and I know you've commented on this before, elderly people or something. Most snowmobiles are a one-person type of thing. They're like, you know, you can get two ups where you can put two people on them, but the majority of them are built that way. So now you're going to try and put an old person or something on a snowmobile to take them wherever. It just makes no sense. I like your snowcat idea. I mean, even though they're very expensive, something that would be on on a little cheaper would be, just a side-by-side utility vehicle that you can, you know, get in four to six people capacity that you could put people in, you can put tracks on them, you could use them. I, I, I believe the city of Buffalo was actually talking about getting some of these where you could use them year round for other events for patrol or whatever. To me, that would be the way to go. Um, you know, as far as the snow cats here, again, a lot of the clubs have the groomers. Whereas if you had an emergency, you could call them up and say, Hey, can you bring that in here and let's go retrieve people and do what we got to do. But
0: I also don't um, know what the operational range is of a snowcat because I know they go through a lot of gasoline. They're not fast-moving vehicles. How, how many miles can you actually get out of one?
4: You know, honestly, fuel-wise, I mean, they're all diesel. And, um, you know, I don't know. Like our guys will do, our the club I'm associated with, you know, they'll do like a... I don't know, probably a thirty mile, forty mile loop. I'm sure they use up some fuel because they're you know pretty high horsepower machines. But
0: now, of the guys, I mean, of the people you in your snowmobile club, on. the the people in your snowmobile club, how many? What what percentage of those people at this point would be willing to say yes? I will use my snowmobile to bring people matches and candles or food or to try to evacuate Hello? people who are able to be evacuated. I, I do. We did have some uh, members from our local club
4: actually do did go up there and helped out this last storm. So, well, I was
0: I was surprised. I, mean, you know. I was surprised that unlike 1977, there weren't these mass calls and mass media to get snowmobiles to help out.
4: Honestly, our media, besides you guys, I think really let us down because there was no coverage the whole weekend of what was going on. Um it was, just, it was just, to me, a total debacle. I mean, total breakdown of services, government services. I also worked for the highway department for 25 years of my life, and, you know, we never shut down. I don't care how hard it was snowing. You did not take the plow off the road. You kept going no matter what. And nowadays it just seems like, eh, it's snowing hard. Screw it. Let's just, you know, we'll get it later or whatever. I, I just, It was a total breakdown. I mean, it just.
0: Well, I'd, like, I'd like to hear from some people. Uh, of course, they'd probably be putting their jobs at risk if they called us. But, I mean, you know, at, at this radio station, I will tell you that uh, a whole bunch of us realized on Friday morning what we were in for. And we made sure we got here early Friday morning. And I'm glad we did. And we knew we weren't going home. Yeah. I mean, we basically volunteered uh, to do what we did. Um, thank you very much. I appreciate the call. Uh, Scott, and thank you for having us. Thank you, Scott. I, I appreciate that. Um, unlike, I might add, local public radio, which was missing in action during the blizzard, and they had access to the same information we had. 803-0930, three oh nine thirty. We're doing our after-action review. Uh, getting some good ideas here on how we prepare for the next blizzard. Some suggestions have been floated by government people that, frankly, I don't think are very good for the reasons I've stated. Um, and yours, I, I would appreciate. Anybody know anything about the V plows, and uh, you know what happened to the good old V plow? Eight oh three oh nine thirty, star nine thirty, one eight hundred six one six. WBEN News is next with Tom Puckett.